And hello and welcome to America Can We Talk. I'm Debbie Georgiatis. Today in our show, we're going to talk about Pfizer never checked if the vaccine stopped transmission. Imagine that. Sophia Galdemas, a former Coast Guard Academy cadet, joins me to talk about vaccine mandates, the pandemic of vaccine mind control. I cannot wait to tell you all the things the government did to control conversation and what you believe about the vaccines. And finally, the pandemic of political lies and persecution. And of course, I'll tell you why these stories matter to you. Stay tuned. On America Can We Talk, I talk about election integrity, border security, healthcare freedom, race relations, energy and tax policy, education policy, free speech and assembly, freedom of religion, and all other issues that touch on the God-given right of every American to life, liberty, and the pursuit of their version of happiness. Stay tuned. And hello again, and welcome to America Can We Talk and to today's First Five. I'm Debbie Georgiatis. There was an amazing, amazing video that came out of the EU testimony. I think it was just yesterday or the day before in which the EU, the European Union, and this massive socialist uh, entity that kind of controls Western Europe, they had testimony that was given by a representative of Pfizer related to the COVID vaccine. One of the ministers in particular, one of the EU ministers, um, a Dutch member of the European Parliament, uh, did a little video afterwards and he included a clip of what this Pfizer person had to say. We're going to play that first right now, please, Mr. Emilio. If you don't get vaccinated, you're antisocial. This is what the Dutch Prime Minister and Health Minister told us. You don't get vaccinated just for yourself, but also for others. You do it for all of society. That's what I said. Today, this turned out to be complete nonsense. In a COVID hearing in the European Parliament, one of the Pfizer directors just admitted to me, at the time of introduction, the vaccine had never been tested on stopping the transmission of the virus. This removes the entire legal basis for the COVID passport. The COVID passport that led to massive institutional discrimination as people lost access to essential parts of society. I find this to be shocking, even criminal. Please watch the video until the end. Voor u, mevrouw Small, heb ik de volgende vraag waar ik een duidelijk antwoord op wil. And I will speak in English so there are no misunderstandings. Was the Pfizer COVID vaccine tested on stopping the transmission of the virus before it entered the market? If not, please say it clearly. If yes, are you willing to share the data with this committee? And I really want a straight answer, yes or no, and I'm looking forward to it. Thank you very much. Um, regarding the question around, um, did we know about stopping humanization before um, it entered the market? No, uh, these, um, you know, we had to really move at the speed of science to really understand what is taking place in the market. This is scandalous. Millions of people worldwide felt forced to get vaccinated because of the myth that you do it for others. Now this turned out to be a cheap lie. This should be exposed. Please share this video. Folks, I want you to think about what he's saying because what he's describing that occurred in the European Union and throughout Europe in response to the way the COVID vaccine was announced to the world is 
he's justified in his obvious outrage. We're going to have another clip a little later in the show today uh, from another person who is in the EU lamenting about the billions of dollars or whatever money unit they have, billions of dollars spent on all sorts of COVID vaccines. And basically with the notion, nobody checked these things. Nobody uh, should be, should he called it the scandal of the century, the scandal of all time. And the reason I want to talk about that today, we have a guest joining us in just a moment. Uh, she's a former, um, a young person willing to serve and one, attend one of the U.S. military academies, the Coast Guard Academy. And what her story, which I will be sharing with you today, is really not just about her and the military academies, but it is about that. It's also about the atmosphere of fear and, uh, and just uh, submission, the forced submission of the people of Western Europe, America, to this unbelievable push for everyone to get a COVID vaccine, regardless of the actual risk someone faced of having a severe problem due to COVID. And now more and more and more data is coming out showing that, number one, the vaccines are not effective to prevent transmission. Number two, they're not effective to prevent you from getting COVID. They're not effective to prevent you from dying of COVID. They're pretty much just not effective. And so we have with this mandated, this atmosphere of mandate of government repression and misleading the American public. There's data I'm going to share later the show that comes from the Judicial Watch organization. They obtain data uh, from our own government that lays out, and you, I, I think you'll be blown away, lays out what the government had in mind, what they, the lengths they went to, to orchestrate what every American, is. it's a mind control, if you want to use that term, it's a psychological operation on America to simply have Americans feel absolutely forced to be submissive uh, about the, uh, to take the vaccine, to mock people who wouldn't do it, and therefore cause uh, people who want to raise any objection for any reason to be dismissed and mocked and ridiculed. This is an intentional operation against the American people and the people of the world surrounding COVID. We have much more data um, coming up a little later in the show. I will want to mention also to you again that Dr. Peter McCullough, one of the most brave physicians in the world, speaking up about COVID. He's a world-renowned cardiologist. He has been diving into data since this whole COVID episode uh, was unleashed on America and on the world. And uh, he's going to join us again Wednesday, November 2nd to talk about his latest conclusions and discoveries related to COVID. But I really want to, I don't want to get into deep medical detail um, related to how the uh, toxins work and all of that, because I think, I mean, that, that is important to understand. But from my perspective in this show, America Can We Talk and the goal of saving America and preserving America's unique, extraordinary greatness and the promises of our founding uh, of liberty for each of us. What we have observed under COVID has been a massive massive mind control operation against the American people. Fortunately for us, millions are waking up and simply not willing to tolerate it anymore. So back to the EU, play a little another clip a little bit later, uh, but there is growing uh, frustration and consternation uh, in the European Union to think they uh, either willing, unknowingly or knowingly went along with this hysteria related to COVID vaccines uh, and now come to find out that there weren't even Pfizer, who their, their representative sits there and looks right in the camera and says, no, we didn't, we didn't test at all as whether it prevents transmission. Truly shocking. And yet just think about all the policies that flowed from the argument that the government put out 
Dr. Fauci and others put out saying that the COVID vaccine, the reason you had to feel you take it, you had to feel pressed was, of course, because you're protecting grandma. You know, you're, you're a walking, you know, danger zone. If you leave your home and you haven't had the vaccine, it made people feel like they were being uh, sub- not only submissive to the government, but they were kind of being the nice people in the, in the room because they would be willing to sacrifice and even go ahead and take a vaccine, you know, just to protect others. They felt noble taking the vaccine because of the lies of the government about how you would otherwise maybe spreading it to grandma. They had no reason to believe that was true. No, the entire, um, the no, we talk about so many times, the entire effort of the government to take away your freedom, to shut you down your home, to force you to wear a mask, to tell you whether you could fly, or efforts to try to prevent people being allowed to fly without the COVID vaccine. Those have kind of, as the government has pushed and pushed on this, there's more pushback, but the government was willing to go as far as it could, our own American government, as far as it could, to take away your liberty unless you would comply with a COVID vaccine and the next booster and the next shot and the next shot and the next shot. It'll never end unless people stand up and demand their freedom. And that, my very fine friends, today is verse five. So we have a guest joining us today. She's gonna to join us via Skype. And we talked on the phone a little bit earlier today. Uh, she is a, a young woman who, you know, I, I'm so grateful for anyone who serves in the military, and especially our young people willing to attend the military academies. We have joining us, Sophia Galdamez. Uh, she's a former and and got all the way through her junior year at the Coast Guard Academy uh, before she ran into their uh, mandates concerning the COVID vaccines. And I really want to bring her on to tell you from a more personal level. I, I'm always putting up, I'm always bringing doctors and experts and data and crafts and arguments about liberty, what the meaning of the Constitution is, the meaning of the Declaration. But these repressive policies coming out of our government they have real life consequences to real people, such as our guest today, Sophia Baldwin. So welcome her to the show today. Hi, Sophia. Hi, how are you doing, Debbie? I am well, and I'm so glad you could join me today. So grateful you were available, and I enjoyed I will just tell our listeners, we talked earlier, so we got to know each other a little bit. Um, and I'm very grateful that you um, are willing to talk about what happened at the Coast Guard Academy. Before that, though, I do want to talk about, have you just tell a little bit about your background, because I do think that you, we've, we've seen recent um, data showing that, you know, the armies, for example, the army's recruiting data, they're way down. They can't get the number of people to sign up they used to. There's just concern throughout the military. There's less and less willingness of young people to sign up in the military. Um, and so there's just a, you know, a concern about the staffing, the quality, the strength of the military. So you're a young woman. I'm sure you have lots of great choices of what to do after high school. So why did you decide to apply to the Coast Guard Academy? So before I begin, I just want to preface the views and opinions that I present today are those of myself and does not represent the DOD or any of its components. Um, First off, yes, so my background. Uh, My father actually immigrated here from El Salvador when he was 16 years old. He left El Salvador due to civil discourse and it wasn't really a choice for him. It was a matter of life and death. And when he came to the U.S., he really was able to experience the American dream. He came here at the 80s. Reagan was president. He was able to become a citizen of the United States, and he's never been grateful for anything else in his entire life. When he came here, he was so grateful for the Constitution. And when he had me at his child, he instilled in me the importance of the Constitution and being an American citizen and being a patriot for the country that I was blessed to be in. 
and the one I was able to be born in versus where he was. And that kind of culminated in me wanting to go to a service academy and to give back to the country that I was so blessed to be in. I was raised to be very patriotic. Man, I wish more parents were like your parents. I really do. You know, we have, I'm sure you've been uh, following these other stories about the change in America's uh, academic education from public school and universities where there's a lot of denigrating of America. I'm not going to go off on that today, but I love hearing about a family. And actually, your dad's story is not unique in that it seems like more Americans are uh, really the ones who are grateful for America, appreciate its unique greatness when they came from somewhere else and they recognize what life can really be like if you don't have a country rooted in freedom. So I love what your dad did. So, okay. So you go through high school, you head off the Coast Guard Academy. First of all, by the way, aren't you kind of, you're an athlete also, right? Yes. I played for the Coast Guard Academy's volleyball team. I had offers to go to other schools, uh, D1 opportunities to play volleyball there. However, it was more important for me to serve my country. So I chose to go to the Coast Guard Academy and serve. God bless you for that. Okay, so I do want to ask you, so, and because our listeners, we, uh, we've we talked about the Air Force Academy in West Point and all that. Where is the uh, Coast Guard Academy? The Coast Guard Academy is in New London, Connecticut. So it's in Connecticut, and you uh, grew up in San Diego. So that's where you still are, right? San Diego. Yes, ma'am. Just want to get that point before I could walk to it later. So, so you go off the Coast Guard Academy, and actually, I think you told me you entered in 2019. Is that right? Yes, my first day at the Coast Guard Academy was July 1st, 2019. So this was all before the COVID pandemic. And for my freshman year, most of the time was in a pretty regular school year at the academy pre-COVID. Yeah, that's what I was getting at. There's going to go to is, yeah, the COVID thing hadn't hit. And um, so it was, as far as, you know, kind of a normal freshman year life. Um, and I mean, to be in a place at the Coast Guard Academy, I'm, I'm going to guess you were in excellent physical shape and very demanding uh, education you're having there, physical and mental and all of that. So um, I'm grateful for that. And um, I want to know, just have you tell about, so COVID comes along and uh, the, I remember it was early 2020 when the, the whole issue started. And by the end of the year of that year was when um, the vaccines were allegedly ready or almost ready. So Tell us, just start with what happened at the Coast Guard Academy. Did they right away mandate vaccines as soon as they were available or, or how did that go? It was an interesting process. So in my sophomore year, in February of my sophomore year, so that would have been February of 2020, the vaccine was available to service members. At this time, it was not mandated for service members. It was a choice, but it was strongly urged by command. And the main narrative was you would have different privileges than those were vaccinated and unvaccinated. You were seen as lesser than those were vaccinated or unvaccinated. And it was in your best interest and that of the military to get vaccinated. However, before it even became available to service members, I was aware that it would soon become available to service members. So I did research and I made sure I knew what I was putting in my body because in the Bible, and what I was taught from my faith is that God teaches you to treat your body like a temple. So I'm not going to put anything in it that I'm not cognizant of what's in it or the ramifications of what I put in my body. Uh, in this research, I found both components, uh, religious and that of medical, that kind of struck a chord with me in the sense that this would not be something that I'd want to be putting in my body. First, it used H-E-K -E fetal stem cells. And... 
I have a long line stance against abortion and I would not put those stem cells into my body. And two, there was really where things going on with how the vaccination was getting fast tracked into the civilian world and then in the military force. When a vaccine goes through the medical process, it takes years. And in a matter of months, this vaccine was available to people. So when I was kind of seeing it come out to people so early, and then I was seeing the consequences of getting the vaccine, such as what's mentioned in Ron Johnson's letter, Senator Ron Johnson's letter, about a 2,000% increase in hypertension in people from 18 to 25, a 472% increase in infertility, and a 1,048% increase in diseases of the nervous system. I knew this was something that I couldn't put in my body at that time because it would affect the way I could serve the country. You know, we talked earlier, I meant to mention, you talked about your family uh, having had instilled from your parents growing up uh, a great love for reverence for, you know, uh, loyalty or obedience, not loyalty to America because of its unique greatness. And you did also talk about in your family, there was a deep sense of faith. It was part of what you grew up in and, and you uh, honor your faith throughout your life. You don't just, it's not a Sunday morning thing. It's a, it's a life thing, which I think is, um, can't get off on this path either yet today, but this is part of what uh, is occurring in the the attempt of people to claim a religious exemption is to kind of diminish the sincerity of people. And so I want I do want to make really clear for your story in your case, you it was a very sincere religious concern about the content of the vaccines because of the fetal fetal stem cells. Is this this is correct? Yes. And so when the vaccine was mandated in August of 2021 and we were told that we had to receive the vaccine, I was already planning to file a religious accommodation for myself, of which I did. And I got a sincere letter of my religious faith from the chaplains at the academy. And when I was talking to the chaplains, it was really funny to me because they were the people that I would go to for confirmation of my religion and just help when things would be getting tough at the academy or I just needed to kind of bring myself closer to God. And it was the first time that I was getting conversations where you would have to choose between your faith and your service. And even though they weren't necessarily not supportive of me getting the religious accommodation, they were still kind of telling me how getting the religious accommodation would kind of open me up to being called rebellious or would probably affect my career later on as an officer. While the religious accommodation process has been available to service members for years. And um, that was just kind of like the first sign that I saw that it wasn't just a matter of privileges between vaccinated or unvaccinated. It was going to be a form of discrimination upon those who have sincere religious beliefs. And this input you're describing, this actually came from the chaplain, the people in the, the chaplaincy there were telling you, you know, I can tell you're sincere, but you may encounter or you, or you will likely encounter some form of discrimination if you pursue this. Is that right? It's the chaplain people telling you that. Yes. And I think they meant it in a nice way. They were trying to give me like a heads up to what yeah. I was going to be facing. Okay. So this is, again, you started in 2019 in July. So now you're in your, you're, you're in the fall of 21. So you're in the fall of your junior year. I'm trying to get these times right. Jun junior year? Yeah. Yes. This was in the fall of my junior year at the academy. 
Okay, so they come up with a mandate, you get your religious exemption, which I, I will say, I, I'm so grateful for the concept of religious exemptions in America. And I think in America has been historically this notion, we don't just treat religion as a, you know, uh, you know, like a hobby, like, you know, you like to whatever, you know, study butterflies. It, it's a serious, it's a founding notion of America that is rooted in the, the very existence of America from the start, that we are a country rooted in religious liberty. We are born out of people who are, uh, came away to, uh, came over here to fight religious oppression. So you get your uh, letter from the uh, folks at the chaplaincy at the Coast Guard Academy, and you submit it to the, uh, your superiors. So what happens next? So uh, I submitted it in about September of 2021. I didn't really, I didn't receive my denial until March of 2022. And throughout that process, I was harassed constantly before I even got the denial back. I was placed behind plexiglass barriers in my classes. I was made out to be kind of dirty and other and would put other people on campus in danger because of my vaccination status. Everyone within my chain of command and all my teachers were informed of my vaccination status and were told to constantly monitor me and make sure that I was following all the supposed rules that were required of that of unvaccinated. Okay, well, you're talking, you're saying even prior to their announcement of the decision that they would not honor your uh, religious exemption request for the COVID vaccine, you're being harassed at a U.S. military academy by your own professors being, I mean, you, you talk about the plexiglass enclosure, which is truly mind-blowing. and and. Okay, I want to get started. But you mentioned other things earlier about the uh, requiring of the use of masks. So can you tell what, what went on because of the, about masks? Yes. So there were kind of variances in the way that masks were used at the academy. Most of the time, it was a narrative of unvaccinated were required to wear masks at all times, whether or not inside or outside, whether or not socially distanced, while that of vaccinated did not have to wear a mask. Uh, inside or outside, and didn't really have the mandatory social distancing that unvaccinated did. There were times when COVID got really bad and per CDC guidelines, vaccinated will wear it inside, but these times were very brief, and it wasn't as extreme as when unvaccinated weren't wearing a mask. And we were a lot more monitored than those of the uh, vaccinated. You know, on top of all that, I mean, just to, it is like a harassment order. I'm, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but it's an order kind of harass her, make her feel like she's not really part of this academy. She's not really being accepted for her uh, request for this religious exemption, uh, which I just find, find astonishing. But moving forward, you also mentioned that you went through a period where there was a um, testing for... I guess it's officer fitness or officer eligibility where you had certain physical uh, tests you would go through, which were a big uh, factor in whether you could pursue being an officer and how it went with the masks and that. Can you describe that? Yes. So I was required to do a physical fitness test, and this includes push-ups, sit-ups, and a mile and a half run for all the cadets. You have to get a certain score. It's really important to your military ranking in the class and your officer readiness, which is basically your goal when you were to graduate. Um, throughout this whole process, we were outside in the middle of August in Connecticut. So it was like above 80 degrees, very humid. So 100% no humidity. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> yes. Um, everyone was not required to wear a mask except for vaccinated or sorry, unvaccinated. So unvaccinated were the only ones required to wear a mask at all times while we were taking this physical exam. 
so we got into the physical exam and there was an immediate kind of rush for all the staff to come monitor me while taking my test. So I was doing like the push-up portion and my mask was falling below my nose. A rule when you're doing the physical fitness exam is that you can't move your hands while you're doing the exercise. I was getting braided by the staff, yelled at like I was back in the boot camp where they were telling me that I had to put my mask up or else they were going to um, automatically fail me on the exam or automatically fail me on the portion of the exam. And this kind of continued throughout the whole thing. And uh, even my classmates were kind of bewildered. The fact that they were kind of just like going on only on me. Everyone else was there, wasn't really monitored as much as I was. And it was definitely a point of segregation between me and my other classmates. And these were circumstances where my mask was going below my nose when I was running and I was putting it back up and they were threatening to fail me on my exam, which was pretty extreme considering before vaccination statuses were a thing, if people's masks fell below their nose, there wasn't an extreme punishment given to them. Okay. This is, I mean, it, it went on. I want to think one other example you were telling me early, but I do want to get around just what finally occurred. So throughout the course of time, when they became familiar with your decision to pursue a religious exemption uh, at the Coast Guard Academy, uh, your religious exemption uh, went through some process. You submitted it in September of 21, I think you said, and then you finally were told in, was it March of 22, that it was going to be rejected? Yes. And then we had the option to appeal the religious accommodation. I appealed the religious accommodation. I got my denial to my appeal in late April, early May of 2022. However, I got it a couple days before I was going to go on my summer assignment for the summer. So when you're at the academies, you have to do service over the summer for the service that you're going to serve in. So I was going out to the fleet and I wasn't told that anything would change otherwise. I would go to my boat that I was assigned and I was told that I had to return back to the academy early for on in June 2022 and they told me if I don't get the vaccine within the week they called me back then they were going to take action and I was accused of UCMJ articles 90 and 92 which put your failure failure to obey orders of a superior officer and then I was then given my disenrollment by the superintendent of the academy. I appealed the disenrollment, which is a privilege granted to everyone that is disenrolled from the service academies. And then when I came back to school in August, there my lawyers had already gone part of a class action lawsuit and a couple of the cadets at the academy are also. And they got a September 1st stay order for all the cadets until our preliminary injunction can go through. So this meant that we were required to be able to stay at the academy, and this was agreement done between our lawyers and DOJ counsel. When I came back to the academy August 15th, they gave me my official disenrollment after my appeal was denied and basically disregarded all the agreements that were made between my lawyers and DOJ counsel. However, they kept me there until August 18th, of which they gave me a letter saying that if I don't evacuate the campus within 24 hours, I would be in more article violations and I would have severe punishment. And I was told by the, my command that I was to remain home. I wouldn't be able to go to classes from the academy and I was 
supposed to maintain my physical readiness as a cadet. And I'd be stuck in basically a limbo status because they would still technically keep us as cadets, but we wouldn't be able to do our classes. So I'd be falling behind in all my classes. And, oh, sorry. No, no, go ahead. Excuse me. Oh, and then when a cadet that was in the same group as me asked his chief what they would do if he had to leave a little bit later than 4 p.m., they told them that we would get escorted off campus by the Coast Guard PD that was on base. Okay, I want to quick make a summary and make sure I have the story straight. So you're part of a class action litigation and the agreement reached between the Department of Justice, who is the defendant and your lawyers, was that the military academies would permit you to stay on campus until time there could be a ruling on the preliminary injunction, which was through September 1st. But prior to that date even coming up, you had the Coast Guard Academy tell you, no, you have to leave. Is that correct? That is correct. Okay, so in this telling you have to leave, because this is part of the story. It's not just the way you were treated, which I, I find outrageous, but it was the notion that once they decided we're not going to give any more leeway on this, they gave you 24 hours notice to get off campus, correct? Yes, and it was, it was a hackett job. When we were forced off campus, we were given less than 24 hours to pack out for me, three years worth of all of my stuff at the academy. This resulted in me having to sell my printer for extra cost to be able to go home. I had to get a last minute ticket from New London, Connecticut to San Diego, California. I would inform my mother who for all intents and purposes thought I would never be coming home to live because I was yeah. gonna graduate and become an officer that I'd have to be coming home and living with her again. And I had to say goodbye to my friends who have become my family because I have bled with them, sweat with them, and side with them because we went through boot camp and we've been through three years at the academy. So again, on this whole uh, getting out within 24 hours, you had, I'm just trying to picture my own um, children who are or when I was in college, you know, and you've been the same school, your, your supplies have been built up, your stuff, 24 hours to pack up and get off campus as though you had been, you know, caught in some criminal conduct, which you hadn't. And then the 24 hours you're told if you were to abuse that or fail to comply, you would be in danger of more military punishment. And you just as why I asked earlier, this campus where you're, where the Coast Guard Academy is, is Connecticut. You live in San Diego, and it wasn't like you know, we'll give a couple of days to get packed up or get a hold of your family. It was it was a, a, a an immediate kind of evacuation order against the backdrop of a, an agreement that the people involved in this class action should get to stay until September. So they were really treating you like you're going to get the lesson. You're really really unwelcome here, and you're you've really um, you're in trouble with the military. Right? Is that right? Yes, yes. Even though uh, it was funny because when I was going through the process of doing the religious accommodation, I found that I was upholding my oath that I would be taking when I become an officer. When you graduate from the academy, you become an officer and you take the officer oath of office. And the first line in that oath is, I will support and defend the constitution of the US from foreign domestic enemies. And I was protecting my first constitutional right, my first amendment right of religious freedom. And I was getting accosted by my superiors and my peers while I was doing something that was, what I feel is very representative of what we're supposed to do in the armed services. I also think it's important and consequential to your story. Uh, you didn't, I mean, you, you hear people sometimes talk about you know, well, I don't want the vaccine because I've read about the contents, because I'm alarmed about the rapidity with which it was developed, or I'm not worried about COVID. And so they say, 
well, then I'm just going to go for religious exemption. That'll probably work. But in your case, I mean, I'm struck by your earnestness. You, you are an earnest, uh, you know, lover of God, lover of the Bible, grew up loving the Bible and believed in the, what the Bible, you understand to teach you about uh, your, treating your body uh, and not putting in substances that, that you've, after study, uh, viewed to be inconsistent with your, your obligation to God. I mean, this is a, this is, if anything ever was a sincere religious belief, this is it. And, and I'm, did you ever have in the course of this event, uh, this whole episode with the Coast Guard, an opportunity for you to sit before anyone, not the chaplain, but anyone in authority, and explain your thinking and your and your sincerity of your beliefs? There were times where classmates would kind of ask me what I was doing. I had gone actually a leadership position while I was a senior. I had, when I got kicked out, I had six months left at the academy, so I was far into my time as a cadet and my classmates were kind of asking me like, why can't you just make your life easier? And why can't you just get this injection? Um, and I understand where they're coming from. The things that they were doing to us seem wrong, but, and it would probably be easier if I were to get the vaccine, but I had conversations with them and they automatically kind of flipped their thinking when they were asking me those questions because they were even kind of seeing the effectiveness of the vaccine throughout the year that after it was mandated and how it didn't really apply to any of the narratives that the Academy was pushing on us saying that it was going to help us from spreading COVID when hundreds of cadets were getting COVID. And in fact, as an unvaccinated, I were one of the people that didn't get COVID until very, very, very late in the game. And there are people that were vaccinated and boosted that were getting COVID more than once. So I was able to talk to them. And for those who are close to me, they understand where I'm coming from and they support me fully. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So where you stand now, so you're out of the Academy. I know you, but this is your status. Now you've been permanently severed from the Academy. Is that correct? Yes. I was officially discharged on September 23rd, 2022. Okay. So you've been discharged. You're still part of this class action lawsuit. Is that correct? Yes. So you got a class action going, but I just want to ask you like on a personal level, I mean, some people go to college for a variety of reasons, you know, because your parents make them or because whatever their reasons are, they really always had a career in mind. When you went to the Coast Guard Academy, did you actually plan on staying in the military and becoming an officer? I mean, I know you owe them some period of time, but did you actually plan to make it a career? Yes, it was actually funny too, because I was talking to one of my friends dads over the summer and this was at a point where I didn't think that I was going to get completely kicked out of the academy and they're asking like what I wanted to do and my friend was right next to me and they're like I'm five and diving I don't really want to serve more than the requirement it's just not for me and I was the person saying how I wanted to fly for the coast guard I wanted to serve a full 20 years I think there is nothing more commendable than serving your country and saving lives. And you can see everything going on with Hurricane Ian, how amazing the Coast Guard is, uh, yes. a humanitarian effort. And it was such a big punch in the gut because when I was discharged from the academy, it wasn't a matter of me losing a free education because at the end of the day, it's not free. You work really hard at the academy. Um, it wasn't the fact that I would have a guaranteed job when I would graduate. It was because I went there because I wanted to serve. I had other opportunities to go to other colleges I went to the Coast Guard Academy because I had the hopes of becoming a Coast Guard officer and doing better for the country that blessed me so much. 
And heaven knows we need people like you in our military, in every branch of our military. So where you stand now, you don't have a college degree. You have been kicked out. You're back home with your mom in San Diego. And you're really, unless there's some big reversal by a court eventually, your time at the academy, well, blessed you in many ways. I guess you made friends and you got... Uh, some education and you got in great condition, but you really can't use all that. I mean, you've, you've got to go forward with another path in life. And I, I, I think it's just astonishing. It's astonishingly consequential to America that we are doing this at our military academies, that we are deciding young people who have the heart to serve, the capacity, you're, you're an athlete, you're a good student, you're dedicated, and you're out over a vaccine, which as we're going to cover more and more in the show today, is there's just data pouring out all over the world, European Union, in America, all over the world, about the lack of efficacy of the vaccines, the danger flowing from this particular vaccine, the fact that it does not prevent transmission, doesn't prevent contraction, doesn't prevent death. And among the main vaccines, they're not even effective for longer than six to 12 months. I mean, just, and yet this is a, so I, I, I guess I'll give you a closing shot to say anything about, you know, you, uh, your experience here and, you know, how people can, can people support what you're doing? Can they, I mean, spreading your story, I think is so important to put a young person's face on the story of the conduct of the military academy. So give you a chance to make your closing points if you'd like to. Yes. So uh, first and foremost, I wanted to thank stars.us. So that's S-T-A-R-R dot U-S. And it's an amazing organization that actually got me connected with my lawyers. And they have amazing individuals constantly fighting what's going on with armed services right now and the discrepancies of what's happening in this country, which is absolutely amazing. And, you know, service members that are about to be discharged from the armed services across all of the branches. So this isn't just something that should be worried about by other service members that are unvaccinated. This is something that everyone in the country should be worrying about because our first line of defense and our last line of defense is about to crumble. If we lose all these service members and the way that recruiting rates are right now, it's not really looking good. And, you know, there's like whistleblowers out there like Dr. Pete Chambers and Dr. Sigaloff that are showing everyone what's going on in the armed services. So I really urge watchers to pay attention to what's going on um, and check out STARS. I'm glad you mentioned STARS. I'll close with that also. The STARS organization we've had, I'm not sure if um, General Rod Bishop is the one who founded it or he's, but he's among the leaders. But there is an organization, the STARS, S-T-A-R-R, um, maybe it has an S on the end, but the point of it is they are trying to point out this is one example with respect to the military academy's treatment of their cadets concerning COVID vaccinations and mandating them. But really, STARS is doing even more than that. They're trying to wake America up to essentially the notion that the woke agenda that has overtaken America, overtaken you know the uh, non-military higher institu institutions of higher education, have overtaken so many institutions. This woke lunacy has actually invaded the military academies. They're trying to point this out, not just because it's a political disagreement versus being the left versus the right, but actually the woke ideology, the woke tendency, all that's being taught in military academies is actually weakening America's military. And that's their point is America needs to understand this woke leftist 
uh, ideology is actually undercutting the very strength and the very um, fabric of our military, their military preparedness, their whole attitude about America. They're doing a wonderful job. Uh, Rod Bishop has joined me in the show before. I think he will do that again. Um, as well as Lieutenant Colonel Matthew Lohmeyer, who's also joined us in the show numerous times and talked about STARS, uh, also trying to get the word out to America, you better care about the mindset of America's military academies because they're really shaping the future of America's military. And right now, they've pretty much gone woke. So, Sophia, thank you so very much for taking time to join me today. Thank you very much for having me here. Great to see you. Okay, folks, I can tell you, these are brave young people. There's another uh, gentleman uh, in a similar situation we'll probably be talking to next week. But this military academy assault um, on just wokeness as though it's a practically a religion in the mindset of the left is really very alarming. This, this, well, the particular example with COVID, which I want to dive in and talk about for most of the rest of the show today, because there's some amazing data that's come out, amazing discoveries that have come out. But this real, this uh, wokeness ideology that is not just turning young people into being subservient fools who take any uh, vaccine, no matter how dangerous, but it is the uh, wokeness and many other levels we talk about in our society, the pronoun obsession and the transgender obsession, foolishness, and uh, the mockery of America and America's founding ideas. I mean, this is, it has infected like a, like a deadly disease has infected America's military academies. And thank goodness for young people like when uh, we just spoke with Sophia Galdamez, Galdamez um, and stars and others speaking right up. Okay, but I wanna hit some things that are related to COVID. Before I do that though, uh, Mr. Emilio, I'm gonna give you a quick heads up. I would love if you could take up the flyer that's for our summit because people, we're here, our summit. This is uh, the third annual Women for Freedom Summit, which um, I host or this show hosts and I have a, um, small army of astonishingly relentless volunteers who helped me get this done. But this coming Saturday here in Dallas, October 15th, we have the third annual Women for Freedom Summit. I will tell you, I got emails over the weekend from around the country, different people, guys, men saying, hey, are we allowed to come to this summit? Yes, you are. Our guests include men and women. We have men and women speaking. It's all about freedom in America. I want to hit other stories today. So I just want to urge you to look at our website, americacanwetalk.org, americacanwetalk.org. On the homepage, there's that beautiful flyer with a list of all of our speakers. They are truly, truly a top-notch list of serious substantive thinkers about the issues facing America. They are just simply amazing on issues of all kinds, including we mentioned Matthew Lohmeyer. Uh, we have the, the people who are speaking up about what, what China is doing to America, about the rule of law, about COVID and the path America is being taken down COVID, about Islamic Jihad right here in the middle of America, about uh, the vaccine passports, which are very, very similar, scarily similar to the Chinese system of the social credit score. Uh, we have what's happening at the border, a wonderful expert on that. We have great topics, great summit here in Dallas. Go to americacanwetalk.org. You can still buy a ticket wherever you are. We'd love to have you in Dallas this weekend. You will love it. Okay, so my last two things today. Um, I wanted to uh, talk a little more. I mentioned about the, the data we have concerning uh, the things that have come out about COVID. I mean, these things, I will tell you, part of what happens to me, this is, I'm called this segment, the pandemic of vaccine mind control. I just want to make this point about what's happened with COVID. I'm on mailing lists put out by the really top level doctors in this country who are gathering data related to all of the proof 
that deals with the, the, the real source of the uh, virus, you know, the, the COVID virus, what really happened, the SARS-2, where it came from, that's a bioweapon. They have proof of, you know, it was intentionally created. It was not an unfortunate coming out of bats in a cave or some crazy story out of China. It was an intentionally created bioweapon. These are doctors who've gathered mountains and mountains of data and studies on the lack of efficacy of the COVID vaccines, the lack of need for the COVID vaccines, um, how they have led to unprecedented death and injury. We've never tolerated this in this country, that we have this dangerous level of a vaccine that is simply kept on the market and still is being pushed by the NIH and Dr. Fauci. I mean, I get so much data. I'm telling you this to say, I get so much data. Sometimes I just, I, I'm overloaded and I don't even know, I get to think, I, I can't talk about it today because there's so much to share. What I'm sharing with you today, it's a smattering of all of the astonishing, uh, just the trove of information out there about the danger of the COVID vaccines, the absolute efficacy for, in most cases, 99% of Americans to, if you do contract COVID, to deal with COVID with already available inexpensive uh, treatments that actually you turn out just fine. Ivermectin, hydroxychloroquine, inhaled budesonide, the newer ones. This is these doctors. I mean, I get so much data overwhelmed. I want to share some things. So, uh, the um, organization named Judicial Watch, uh, who's uh, they, they basically spend a lot of money filing lawsuits. And, I mean, in, in a good way. I love what they do. They file Freedom of Information Act lawsuits. They go after data and they collect and find out what things the government tries to hide from you. Well, there was a story recently, and if, if you haven't seen this, you can read this story at our website, americachemitalk.org, on the homepage under shows, drop down list of links. Uh, so they came up with uh, data from the Department of Health and Human Services, uh, HHS, you know, that's overseeing a lot of, of the policy related to COVID, how we dealt with COVID in our country. And so we have other organizations, of course, involved are the CDC and the NIH, but the Department of Health and Human Services, DHHS, had documents they were forced to produce. They would never have liked CDs. Forced to produce in response to a, a FOIA request by the uh, Judicial Watch organization. And what it helps you realize and see, and just, just glaring, blaring headlights see, is that the federal government in our country engaged in a massive mind control operation on America to make us afraid, irrationally, unjustifiably afraid of COVID, irrationally, unjustifiably afraid of all of the treatments that literally thousands of doctors in this country were advocating and saying, these work great. These work really well. Hydroxychloroquine and inhaled budesonide and ivermectin, all sorts of, uh, you know, and the monoclonal antibody infusion, all these treatments are out there. And the government spent your tax dollars at work. They spent money to convince the American people to be afraid out of their minds, frightened out of their minds, to get the vaccine regardless of the dangers associated with it. And so what they uncovered, what Judicial Watch uncovered, the, uh, they, the uh, federal government, HHS, had a PEC, public education campaign. This is just for a two-month period in April and May of 2021, what they engaged in, this massive mind control, take over what you think, which included not only making you afraid, they engaged uh, people who are famous, Hollywood people, other leaders, other people they thought maybe people would listen to, to engage in mockery of anyone who questioned the vaccines, mockery 
of anyone, including doctors who questioned them, mockery of people who wouldn't take the vaccine. So here's part, just a partial list of what the um, was uncovered by Judicial Watch. This uh, PEC public education campaign, two months in 2021, vaccine engagement package to all entertainment, talent, and management agencies, vaccine and, and engagement package to all media companies, show producers, outreach to major culture event producers, produce HHS Q&A videos featuring local black doctors discussing the vaccines, how they work, why the public should get vaccinated, request that Tom Brady, the quarterback, Tom Brady, create a video with his parents encouraging vaccination, create custom partnerships with social media platforms with algorithms to hit the audience, create a launch Hollywood comedy writers, video content to mock people. I mean, it goes on and on and on. You have been subjected to, we used to know that the CIA engaged in these kind of things in a foreign, in a foreign country. CIA would engage in things to change the mindset of a certain country, to adjust how that those people in that country thought about things. I mean, a ma massive, massive mind control operation. That's what your HHS did to you. You must read this document that I'm telling you, you can read it at our website, and you ought to thank the uh, Judicial Watch organization for digging it out because believe me, HHS was never gonna tell you what they were doing to you. And the question now is now that you know that, now that you know what they were doing to you, what are you gonna do about it? Two other quick things to tell you. I, um, I told you I get so much data in my inbox, I can't even process it all. But there are so many data points, just one or two, if you knew of them, you'd be saying, why in the world is our country still even listening to these vaccine advocates? And so I'll tell you, there's a, um, I'm trying to decide the last, yeah, I, I don't have much time left and I kind of want you, I want you to hear this video first, I guess. And the reason why, this is a, from a gentleman who's in Europe. Um, he is a, uh, also with the EU and he's lamenting how much money the EU spent on these vaccines when they're now finally realizing they were dangerous, untested, and unwise. Oh, I may have to cut this guy off in the middle, so keep my mic on, okay, Emilio? Um, but I do want to play this guy briefly. Gospodja von der Leyen, predsjednica Europske komisije, znana kao 4,5 milijarde doza. Danas je nas 10 zastupnika u Europskom parlamentu postavilo pitanje gospođi kada će nama, zastupnicima Europskog parlamentu, kao i građanima Europske unije, koje ona navodno zastupa, podasrijeti komunikaciju koja je vodila sa Pfizerom prilikom nabavke 4,5 milijarde doza cijepiva u trenutku kada nije postojao apsolutno nikakav dokaz o učinkovitosti a pogotovo ne o štetnosti tog proizvoda. Zamislite, 4,5 4,5 4,5 4,5 4,5 4,5 4,5 4,5 4,5 4,5 4,5 4,5 4,5 4,5 4,5 4,5 4,5 4,5 4,5 4,5 4,5 4,5 4,5 4,5 4,5 4,5 4,5 4,5 4,5 4,5 4,5 4,5 4,5 4,5 4,5 4,5 4,5 4,5 4,5 4,5 4,5 4,5 4,5 4,5 4,5 4,5 4,5 4,5 4,5 4,5 4,5 4,5 4,5 4,5 4,5 4,5 4,5 4,5 4,5 4,5 4,5 4,5 4,5 4,5 4,5 4,5 4,5 4,5 4,5 4,5 4,5 4,5 4,5 4,5 4,5 4,5 4,5 4,5 4,5 4,5 4,5 4,5 4,5 4,5 4,5 4,5 4,5 4,5 4,5 4,5 4,5 4,5 4,5 4,5 4,5 4,5 4,5 4,5 4,5 4,5 4,5 4,5 4,5 4,5 4,5 4,5 4,5 4,5 4,5 4,5 4,5 4,5 4,5 4,5 4,5 4,5 4,5 4,5 4,5 4,5 4,5 4,5 4,5 4,5 4,5 4,5 4,5 4,5 4,5 4,5 4,5 4,5 4,5 4,5 4,5 4,5 4,5 4,5 4,5 4,5 4,5 4,5 4,5 4,5 4,5 4,5 4,5 4,5 4,5 4,5 4,5 4,5 4,5 4,5 4,5 4,5 4,5 4,5 4,5 4,5 4,5 4,5 4,5 4,5 4,5 4,5 4,5 4,5 4,5 4,5 4,5 4,5 4,5 4,5 4,5 4,5 4,5 4,5 4,5 4,5 4,5 4,5 4,5 4,5 4,5 4,5 4,5 4,5 4,5 4,5 4,5 4,5 4,5 4,5 4,5 4,5 4,5 4,5 4,5 4,5 4,5 4,5 4,5 4,5 4,5 4,5 4,5 4,5 4,5 4,5 4,5 4,5 4,5 4,5 4,5 4,5 4,5 4,5 4,5 4,5 4,5 4,5 4,5 4,5 4,5 
related death among males ages 18 to 29 within 28 days of following the mRNA vaccination. An 84% increase in death of young, healthy men. These are not uber senior citizens or disabled people. These are healthy young men, 18 to 29, an 84% increase in the relative incidence of cardiac-related death after taking the vaccine. Next point, there are all sorts of stories um, that people are coming forward talking about their uh, perfectly healthy son. There, there's a story right here in Texas, a perfectly healthy 16-year-old told he had to get the vaccine so he can go back before he can go back to school in the fall, want to play football, perfectly healthy, gets a vaccine, drops dead five days later. These stories are happening around the country and, and they're happening around the world and perfectly healthy athletes who play uh, international soccer um, and other, other sports where you're really physically active, literally healthy to that level. I mean, talking about our cardio you know, health, dropping dead. Um, there was also a Dr. McCullough has been trying getting testimony um, uh, and, and giving testimony. He spoke in um, the Pennsylvania Senate, representing a study of the teenage boys who died on days three and four after receiving the, the Pfizer COVID-19 shot. These are not alone documenting myocarditis in young men. Also a recent article on Moderna's COVID-19 vaccine. Moderna's COVID-19 vaccine, new study just out, turns negative after um, a few, I'm going tell you how much long it is, uh, after a few months. They're saying the effectiveness of three doses, the primary series and a booster against infection. You know, this is Moderna's COVID-19 vaccine. Um, after 50 days, uh, it, the, is it, it's uh, against infection remained above 50%. So only 50% was usually not vaccines, or supposed to be like 100% for after 150 days. What happens after that? Um, is actually the vaccine effectiveness turns negative, meaning you're more likely to get COVID. The vaccine makes you more likely to get COVID. Um, it turns negative after 91 days. And all I'm saying, people, you know, I'm not a doctor, and I don't want to be a doctor, but this issue, at the very least, is about the idea of healthcare freedom in America is all wrapped up in the promise of life, liberty, pursuit of happiness. Our government having engaged in a mind control operation against America, compounded with pushing a vaccine, which for most people, many doctors will tell you, is unnecessary. Even if you get COVID, if you're young and healthy, you're going to get through it. And what we're supposed to have the freedom in America to make our decisions about that. And we're supposed to have the freedom of a free press that can report what the facts are, what the data are, and then you can decide for yourself what you think. But part of what this operation has been, in addition to our own government uh, putting out what they, what I described to you, is the mainstream, the social media sources, shutting down people. In fact, that, that Surgeon General in Florida got removed from Twitter for reporting an actual study he engaged in. Um, I, have a, I have pages and pages of studies to tell you all by way of saying, um, this is a, a crisis level problem in America. And among the pandemic of crisis is just ignorance and fear instilled by your government. I'm gonna do a 30 second touch on my last story for the day, uh, and then I have to rock and roll. But uh, the last story of the day, very, very quick story. I just wanna, again, talk about the importance of gathering data yourself and understanding how willing America's government, our actual federal government is, how willing they are to mislead and lie to you. And so this, this story, changing topics, actually relates to the FBI. And very quick story, you remember, 
when there was all the discussion when Donald Trump was running and became president and the Steele dossier and how the Steele dossier, which had, was done by Christopher Steele, who is an ex-spy uh, ex, uh, in uh, England, and how that Steele dossier was the basis for the FBI going forward, getting FISA warrants and spying on people. All of that, all of the entire Trump-Rush collusion hoax, the complete made-up story, all of that started with a Christopher Steele dossier. So now Prosecutor John Durham is prosecuting Igor Benchenko uh, for allegedly misleading the FBI over this, this the contents of the Steele dossier. And many people are pointing out, I, I really wanted to be supportive of John Durham. I wanted to hope he was on the side of truth. But I think what's really happening is this is, this, you know, the entire effort of the prosecution by Durham of this Igor Denchenko guy uh, is to continue the cover-up of the FBI's culpability in all of the Trump-Russia collusion hoax. But the big story, the very quick story to tell you is this. Turns out the FBI offered to Christopher Steele a million dollars, million dollars for any evidence he could come up with to prove the truth of what he put in the Steele dossier, which launched the entire Trump-Russia collusion hoax, the entire investigation was the Steele dossier. FBI offered him a million dollars. This is testimony now in this prosecution of Igor Denchenko. Offered a million dollars to Christopher Steele to say, any proof of what you put in this ridiculous, you know, fantasy dossier? You think he might have been motivated? A million dollars? Sure, I'll tell you where I got the information. Nothing. He had no proof. And yet, the FBI floating, you know, luring him a million dollars. He can't come up with anything. This is the testimony we're hearing today in the Durham trial prosecution of Danchenko. Then the FBI recognizing all they have is some whoopy, unsubstantiated dossier. No proof. They could not get any proof of any of it because even they offer a million dollars, they couldn't. And yet they still went ahead with the entire Trump Russia collusion hoax investigation. They got FISA warrants. They began spying on people, listening to Americans, spying on the entire effort. Understand to close out today's show, the entire effort the FBI engaged in with respect to Trump Russia collusion was always and only about getting Donald Trump, shutting him down because he was getting too close to being the one who's going to expose the massive filth of the swamp in Washington, D.C of a snake pit that is Washington, D.C., not just congressmen and senators, but people in the higher levels of agencies, they could see he was going to be a danger, and they were willing to do anything to get him out, include pushing forward, signing under penalty of perjury, a request for FISA warrants to spy on him over a dossier that they knew that their only source who gave them that could not come up with a shred of proof that it was true. More on that next week. I got to rock and roll. I hope I see every single one of you at our summit. It's coming Saturday. Again, go to AmericanAcademyTalk.org. Come to our summit on Saturday. You'll leave so much more informed, inspired, upbeat, and ready to be in the fight to save this country. But for now, as I do at the close of every show, I'll tell you why the stories we talked about today matter to you. So we start our show today. Uh, talking about Pfizer never checked if the vax stopped transmission. Simply mind-blowing. Viral video from the EU Netherlands rep exchange with Pfizer executive. Pfizer executive emphatic that no tests were done prior to global rollout 
to determine whether vaccines would stop COVID transmission, i.e. stop the spread. You know, the famous, oh yeah, stop the spread. Two weeks to flatten the curve. All caca, hogwash. Consider how many experts demanded mandatory public vaccination to protect others. Consider how many businesses destroyed and jobs, careers lost for refusing vaccines. And now the world knows. Pfizer had zero basis for claiming the vaccination would protect others. The EU rep today called it the biggest corruption scandal in the history of mankind. Fauci, Burke, Lenski, etc. claimed they were misled by Pfizer. If not, likely they knew too. And I'm going to guess they did. There must be accountability for deaths and damages caused by lies and liars. The punishment must fit the crimes. And on the pandemic of vaccine mind control, Judicial Watch forced disclosure of HHS emails showing mammoth government-coordinated and funded effort to convince Americans to take the vaccine. Screenwriters and comedians, church leaders, black doctors, social media influencers, all bought and paid for, bought and paid for, to inflict fear in the American people. Americans would grant broad leeway to their government if the government officials were honestly taken by surprise by COVID, honestly fearful COVID was lethal, there were no alternative treatments, honestly certain vaccines would stop the transmission, but the data are emerging to show there was no honesty anywhere in any public health institutions about any of this. Ramifications of this fraud and mind control operation just beginning to be understood. These are revolutionary times. And then the pandemic of political lies and persecution, Durham versus Danchenko on trial reveals again a dishonest FBI and DOJ. Famous Steele dossier at the center of the Russia collusion. Oh, case versus Trump was never corroborated. FBI offered to pay a million dollars to Steele to corroborate allegations, anything, and he couldn't. FBI DOJ knew Steele dossier was false and uncorroborated, obtained warrants to spy on the Trump campaign by falsely stating to the FISA court under oath that Steele dossier was legitimate. The FBI DOJ behavior is not merely partisan. It constitutes criminal fraud, lying to the court. All this was done because Trump was uniquely bad character? No. Or was it because Trump threatened to drain the swamp and expose the swamp's corruption? Even many hate Trumpers are awakening to the reality. The answer is number two. Open question, where is Durham going with this? Prosecution of Danchenko for lying to the FBI trivializes what has been exposed. The FBI wasn't duped. They were an active participant in the HRC campaign to take down Donald Trump. And that, my very fine friends, is America Can We Talk for today. Thank you so very much for tuning in every Monday through Thursday at 3 p.m. Central Time to America Can We Talk, where I always talk truth about America because America matters. And I will talk to you next time. Can we talk truth about America? Can